The Holy Gospel according to St. Luke, the fourth chapter. Jesus came to Nazareth, where he had been brought up, as it was his custom. He went up to the synagogue on the Sabbath day, and he stood up to read. And the scroll of the prophet Isaiah was given to him. He unrolled the scroll and found the place where it was written. The Spirit of the Lord is upon me, because he has anointed me to proclaim good news to the poor. He has sent me to proclaim liberty to the captives and recovering of sight to the blind, to set at liberty those who are oppressed, to proclaim the year of the Lord's favor. And he rolled up the scroll and he gave it back to the attendant and sat down. And the eyes of all in the synagogue were fixed on him. And he began to say to them, Today the scripture has been fulfilled in your hearing. And all spoke well of him and marveled at the gracious words that were coming from his mouth. And they said, Is not this Joseph's son? And he said to them, Doubtless you will quote to me this proverb, Physician, heal yourself. What we heard you did at Capernaum do here in your hometown as well. And he said, Truly I say to you, No prophet is acceptable in his hometown. But in truth, I tell you, there were many widows in Israel in the days of Elijah, when the heavens were shut up three years and six months, and a great famine came over the land. And Elijah was sent to none of them, but only to Zarephath in the land of Sidon, to a woman who was a widow. And there were many lepers in Israel in the time of the prophet Elisha, and none of them was cleansed, but only Naaman the Syrian. And when they heard these things, all in the synagogue were filled with wrath. And they rose up and drove him out of the town and brought him to the brow of the hill on which their town was built so they could throw him down the cliff. But passing through their midst, he went away. Grace, mercy, and peace be unto you from God our Father and our Lord and Savior, Jesus the Christ. Amen. The text for our gospel proclamation is the Holy Gospel of St. Luke in the fourth chapter that I just finished reading for you and serves as the basis of our theme for the third Sunday after the Epiphany. Everything he says is worth knowing again. They say that the best way to become a public speaker is to read anything out loud. Reading aloud helps you to see how the words flow together and the meaning they convey by the subtle inflections you add by simply saying them. If you read it aloud, what do you hear that you never heard before? What do you see that you never saw before? There may even be a stream of consciousness that conveys a feeling, even if you don't know what the words particularly mean. I know. Weird, right? I mean, just this last week, I was listening to Neil Diamond. I listened to him a lot growing up and even remember the time my mom and dad took me to a Neil Diamond concert. So I really enjoy his music with those fond memories. One of my favorite movies, Saving Silverman, even makes his music the basis of the movie's storyline. So you kind of get what an impact the jazz singer has had on me musically growing up. But one of his songs, Holly Holy, Never made any sense to me lyrically. Fortunately, I stumbled onto a YouTube video where he explained the lyrics as stream of consciousness. 
In other words, the words aren't supposed to mean something as much as it's supposed to make you feel something. That was it right there for me. I never understood the words, but when it builds up to the chorus of love, take the lonely child and the seed, let it be filled with tomorrow. Holly, holy. You see, what does that even mean? But if the windows are up in my car, I am belting that song out with joy that I have no clue where it came from. It just makes you feel awesome. Reading your favorite scene from a play, novel, or poem can have that same power when you're reading it out loud. It's like you get to know it better, like an intimate friend. As Jesus gets up in our lesson today, the word for read literally means to know again. How interesting. I mean, clearly, God in the flesh did not need to know his words again. So it must be there to know again for the people. What the prophet Isaiah was saying and what that made them feel knowing Jesus was purporting to be the fulfillment of all that Isaiah was prophesying. So the scroll of Isaiah was handed to Jesus, and he easily found this reading for the day. And to suggest that Jesus was a mere rabbi or mere mortal at this point in the narrative ignores so many points of coincidence that helps us see who Jesus really is. First, Jesus has been baptized by John tempted by Satan, and then traveled from Jerusalem all the way north 90 miles if they avoided Samaria or 60 if they cut straight through. Then he taught in various synagogues throughout Galilee before arriving at this synagogue in Nazareth where he had been brought up. And this was the appointed scroll to be read at this time by Jesus, no less. You don't think God is at work having his public reading of this prophecy on this day in his hometown. Well, then you're just not paying attention. But the members of the synagogue were. And it made them mad. Really mad. Texting can make us mad sometimes, can't it? I know this feels random at this point, but let me explain. I remember a pastor's wife that was a dear friend of Marcy and mine, mostly Marcy, actually, and me by extension, of course. She's one of the coolest and honestly most beautiful people we know inside and outside. She's always been so nice to us and treated us like we were her equal, even though we honestly don't even belong in the same hemisphere with her socially. But she was truly gracious. And never saw it that way, which just made us love and respect her even more. As you can imagine, her husband is dashingly handsome as well. And that's created some difficulties for her with jealous single women in the congregation that are constantly finding themselves attracted to him and subconsciously finding a way to hate her. 
He's good at boundary management, so he's pretty oblivious to it all. And she takes the brunt of it, even though most of the erstwhile women do keep it polite on the surface most of the time. Well, one time, texting exposed it all. She was literally at a church dinner, chatting with one of the jealous ladies, and thought everything was fine. And then all of a sudden, she gets a text from the lady sitting across the table from her saying, I'm sitting here with Jay at church, and I can't believe this bee. I hate her so much. She thinks she's all that, and she ain't nothing. Well, our friend realized immediately that the text was about her, but not intended for her and held up the phone to the lady and asked, did you mean to send this text to me? Boom, roasted. And you knew it because she proceeded to drop the mask of civility and went full on screaming memes at her, letting all her hatred come out. Thankfully, our friend had the strength to withstand the temper tantrum she was throwing and the woman stormed out in shame when she didn't get the tit for tat for her outburst never to return because of her embarrassing behavior. When Jesus said the words that he did, offering gracious forgiveness to sinners that needed it in that synagogue, the first century version of gossiping text started flying back and forth in the congregation. Tick, 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 tick. He's forgiving us. Tick, 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 tick. Only God can do that. Tick, 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 tick. This kid helped fashion the yoke for my cattle. Tick, 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 tick. Yeah, just a few years ago, he cut the roofing beam for my house. Tick, 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 tick. Ah, oh, yeah? Last I saw him in Nazareth, he was repairing my plow. Tick, 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 tick. Well, he's gonna need a plow to get out of here today with all these angry guys. When Jesus spoke, he spoke as who he really was. God in their midst. The text subtly reveals that to us in the statement, words that were coming out of his mouth, evoking the very same language of Isaiah 55, 11, which says, so shall my word be that go out from my mouth. It shall not return to me empty, but it shall accomplish that for which I purpose and shall succeed in the thing for which I sent it. Also Deuteronomy 8, 3, Man does not live by bread alone, but man by lives by every word that comes from the mouth of the Lord. Which Jesus directly quoted, responding to the devil's temptation in the wilderness. When Jesus quotes from the parable, Physician, heal thyself. First of all, he recalls the mockery under the cross about a savior of others incapable of saving himself. This is God in our midst. And he has done all that is necessary for sinners that need a savior. He fulfilled all prophecies for the savior of the world. He lived in a perfect life without sin. And he went to the cross to die in our place for those sins and rose from the dead to prove victorious over everything we could not conquer ourselves. The only question we should ask in the face of this overwhelming evidence is, are we unworthy enough? You see, the problem in the synagogue today was they all felt they were worthy and not in need of forgiveness, especially from this dusty Nazarene that dared to suggest he was the messianic fulfillment of God in their midst. 
Never mind the miracles they knew about. Never mind the voice of the Heavenly Father affirming his sonship when John baptized him. Never mind the logistical impossibility of him arriving to read this lesson this day. They simply would not believe that they needed forgiveness or that he was in any way better than them. But to the sinners healed when he laid hands on them, to the demons who left the sinners they possessed when Jesus cast them out, they all knew who Jesus was. Jesus is the one, when he speaks, he speaks to our very soul and says the very words our sin-sick hearts need to hear to make us sing. So when you encounter the unchurched who are offended that you think you're better than them, we reply, no, we're definitely not better. We're just forgiven. And we want you to be too. When you are hated by people that feel God judges them and hates them for who they are, we can soothe them saying, no, God loves you because of who you are. And because he saves only sinners, he desires to save you too. And when you're humiliated by the intellectual that says only the weak-minded would believe such mythology and drivel, we can confidently reply, the foolishness of God is wiser than any man's wisdom and the weakness of God is stronger than any man's strength. True, when we were called by God, we may not have been wise by worldly standards, but God chose what is foolish in the world to shame the wise. We just want you to avoid the shame and share in godly wisdom with us. We know we are not worthy enough. And we know that's just where we want to be. Then and only then will we hear the incredible symphony of God's word that will give us hope and redemption beyond compare. That's when we will feel the love of God in everything he says to us as well. Because everything he says is always worth knowing again. Now, may that peace which surpasses all understanding guard your hearts and minds in Christ Jesus always. Amen.